This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Wes Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, Damasaurus, The Number Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Tia, Matthew, William, Brandon, Mandy, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. And because it's that special time of the month, Mikey, we also get to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors, and they are Megan, Amelia, Brandy, Courtney, Jose, AJ, Ooh, I like that little rhyme there. Gwen, rickety cricket page. It is rickety cricket. Love it. It's not rickety yes. cricket page, but I like pointing it out to Paige because she loves that. I do love that. <laughs> Christina, Lisa, Andrew, Jessica, Irene, Laura, rich homie Juan. I don't know if rich is a verb. I don't know, but it's rich homie Juan. Jenny, Ashley, Richie. We have so many. Casey, Lauren, Daisy, keeping up the good work. Alisa, and I think I'm saying that right. Forgive me if I'm not. Jennifer, Chris, and Veronica. And all the patrons want you to know that you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group or Discord servers where we chat daily. Dating someone now is interesting. Is it because you have to like account for someone else's feelings and wants and needs and that's a new thing for you? Yes. <laughs> but also, like today, she has wanted to take me to the home goods store for like since she met me. Yeah, no, I know this trick. Mike, can I ask you something? Yeah. Is your kitchen trash? No. It's actually not. It really isn't. Todd's been there. Yeah. Todd is your kitchen trash? <laughs> no, but it would be if it wasn't for Natalie. Okay. Paige, I think you're right because there's things that she says to me like, is this your only baking sheet? Like, oh, like you only have one baking sheet? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, you need to go to Home Goods. She's coming over to make a list. I almost mm -hmm. want you to send me a list of what you have in your kitchen and then I'll send back a list of what you need in your kitchen. I'm not going to mess with the kitchen too much. Do you want amazing crab legs more often? Yeah. <laughs> she was pretty mad about cooking it in the thing that she cooked it in. Yep. What you need is a stock pot that's six feet tall, like in Sleepaway yeah, Camp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want a pot big enough to cook a crab person if they exist under the ocean. That's it. I'm sending her on Instagram. <laughs> This conversation that men are trash people that just force women to take care of them yeah. <laughs> because there are so many parallels in my relationships like I, I'm not saying I'm any better than you Mike. I had a silverware organizer before same it just wasn't good enough for her <laughs> as a therapy let's reframe what we're, what we're talking about yeah Todd. Mikey uh, I can't afford you what we have is not good enough and they want to change us for your benefit she wants to be able to make you crab legs and not be cooking it in a fucking like foil pie dish from the fucking grocery store. Oh my I'm God. Team Alexa on this one. Go to fucking Home Goods, get an off-brand enameled cast iron Dutch oven, and don't talk to me again till she made you super some shit. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them, and this week, the listeners made us watch Wolf, Wolf Creek. Creek. So was this the first time 
either of you had seen this before. I saw it when it came out back in the day. Back in the day. Paige, what about you? This is my first time. Oh, yeah. It was my first time as well. So let's give me some first thoughts. Mikey, back in the day, which is, I think, 2005, right? Uh-huh. So you were, like, high school, college age? No, yeah, I was in college. What was your first impression of it when you saw it? Uh, hot garbage water. <laughs> okay. All right. Did that change the second time you watched it tonight? No. Okay. No, it did not. All right. That's fair. <laughs> in fact, I was just like, oh, hot garbage water. And, like, the amoebas are so big, you can see them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many disgusting things you just said right there. Paige, what did you think watching it tonight? Uh, I believe the technical term for it is hot garbage water. <laughs> uh, well, okay, let me be more intentional with my feedback. My frustration with this film. Yes, get into it. Tell me everything. It is shot beautifully. It's sure. shot well. Cinematography's good. I feel like similarly that I felt to Poughkeepsie tapes where a lot of this film exists so that we can watch women be tortured. Yep. However, I don't necessarily think that was the intent of the filmmakers and allow me to defend my position here. Okay. Is this based on a true story? It is. Yes. I don't know how true it is, though. It does say at the beginning it's based on actual events. I have the events. Okay, awesome. Okay. Good, good, good. It's not really based on the events. Like oh, it okay. is. It's like somebody heard a story from somebody else and then wrote a movie based on what they thought happened. Oh, okay. Like the perfect storm. <laughs> I intentionally didn't look up the actual events because I wanted to be surprised by it. I have them. I'll read them after the movie. Okay. But the people that made this movie, I think, are maybe obsessed with their villain. Like, they think that's the coolest part of the movie. Yes. Which, is so, which is so fucked up. They're like, this is the new Crocodile Dundee, but he's bad. <laughs> crocodile don't D. <laughs> I, I found some stuff in Fun Facts about that, too. But I think it's perfectly exemplified by a the fact that he has no consequences for his actions oh no he fully gets away with everything and b that last shot of him walking into the sunset oh, it's almost God. like they were like we created this interesting thing but we find out more about that villain than we find out about anyone else in the movie he gets yep. more screen time than anybody and we spend over an hour with those early 20 somethings yeah and we know less about them and their purpose in the movie in this world than we do about the guy who literally just tortures the shit out of people for fun and gets away with it. Yeah. And there's just not even much of a story there. It's like they tried to build a movie just to showcase how fucking cool they thought that guy was. Yeah. And so it's damn near unwatchable. This was really oof. Oof, Magoof. I'd like to change my answer to be more specific. Yes. Yeah, you spend 45 minutes with the three kids or whatever, and you know nothing about them. I didn't learn their names. I didn't learn their personality traits. I didn't learn one of their names until... They were screaming them at each other? Yes! Yep, until Evil Crocodile them. Dundee said it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I completely agree. Like, I felt like they were trying to set up this relationship between the girl who gets head on a stick. Her name's Liz. They were trying to Liz. set up a relationship between Liz and Ben, but they had zero chemistry. In fact, I really felt like Christy and Ben had had more chemistry than Liz and Ben. I thought so too. Like, and I was like, what is happening? Or go full threesome. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or like he's cheating on one with the other and like have some like a little like interpersonal drama to play out. Or like a love triangle type thing, right? Also, if you're going to build up your villain, don't jump cut to like 
at the end of his whole, like, I want to see his whole, like, serial killer ritual stuff. Because it looked like it implied he had some serial killer ritual stuff. But, like, no, we just, like, skip over the interesting parts of serial killers. And we're, like, to the part where he's, like, oh, I'm going to take a piece and kill you or whatever. Bullshit, bullshit. Guys, <laughs> joining us for this episode, John Jarrett, who played Mick Taylor in this movie. That, that impression was so good, Mikey. I thought he literally was here. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm gonna kill you, whatever. And then it was like, oh. I foresee a bunch of Australian accents in our reviews in the future. Oh, no. Uh, here's the thing I, I am not opposed to an anti hero, I'm not opposed to a film from a villain's perspective. No, I, I like I get, those. I, yeah. I get that. But I think this movie does it in such a weird way where, like, we spend so much time with those kids that have no backstory. We don't know why they're together or why they know each other because they I spent a huge part of this movie thinking they were friends from college. Nope. Nope. They met at that fucking hostel. Yeah. Oh, did they? Yes. Yeah, Mikey. But we didn't find it out until like 55 minutes into the movie. Like, what are we doing right. here? Well, it's because you missed the scene where like Crocodile Don't was like, he interrogates <laughs> them all together. And he's like, how did you all meet each other or whatever? <laughs> I like how it's progressively getting worse. <laughs> but it's because the people who made this movie don't care about them. Because their section of the movie is a lot of like cool landscape shots yeah. and stuff like that's really cool camera work but it's just not information about them and anytime we get to hear them talk they're just kind of mumbling it's not even the sound is not even correct we can't even really hear them well and they're just kind of mumbling their way through information that doesn't pertain to us that doesn't give us any depth to them and then we meet Co crocodile don't and we get his whole <laughs> fucking life story in 10 minutes yeah he's like i grew up outside perth yeah he's like i majored in art history but then i came out here to and you're just like we find out so much about him and yeah. then it's really playing into like his whole compound where he keeps all the stuff and I'm just like, why don't we know anything about the people he's killing? What bothers me about that specifically is you could fix that with like a three minute line, like section of dialogue at the party at the very beginning where yeah. they're explaining to one other person at the party what's going on. And what's yes, happening. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that, that kind of stuff bothers me because that's just bad storytelling. Like that's a bad script. Right. And if you want to focus on the villain, that's fine. Like Hannibal Lecter is great. Right. Right. But like they don't. Don't explain any of his motivations at all except for like it's more like a hostile-esque like yeah. I hear the kill people and torture. Yeah. But but here's the thing about hostile, because I do compare this to hostile. A, you don't like the people that end up getting tortured, and so you feel a little better about it. Yeah. Because they're kind of assholes. But then even in that one of them fights to escape and escapes. Yes. And in this, the people who are the most conscious getting through the torture fight to escape, don't get to escape. 
Like, the one guy escapes, but he never even really encounters the villain. So, like, there's not really a standoff there. And so we don't have as much investment in him living. In fact, that character, Ben, disappears from the movie for, like, 40 minutes with no explanation of where he is. We don't know what's happening. We don't know if he's dead. Okay, let's not crucify Ben, okay? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm crucifying the people who wrote this movie. Yeah. Who, who like, here's the thing. If he knew he was going to torture the girls, why did he even leave Ben alive? Like, I think just to feed his dogs. Yeah, I guess. Some of the stuff would have been easily explained if they had, like, a couple of people who were, like, his last victim still there, and they watched them go through what they're, like, all the rituals. Here's the thing. I think that happens. It just doesn't happen in the movie because the woman that's chained to the wall, essentially. The one who's dead? The one who's dead. Christy says he killed that woman. She'd been here for months. Why not show it? Well, because that's real upsetting. but And probably hard to do. But, like... That, to me, is like, okay, now we're getting more info about his whole serial killer vibe or whatever. Yeah. But, like, think about even Friday the 13th. That's another movie where you really are kind of following the killer. Yeah. In a way. You know, you are kind of rooting for Jason to kill people, usually. Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Nightmare on Elm Street. Usually, the people that get killed in those scenarios are kind of undesirable or ignore annoying like there's something about them where you're kind of enjoying it this movie doesn't it's not fun it's it's a not scary but also b it doesn't even have fun with it and so i'm like if you're gonna go full tilt we are investing in our villain more than anyone else in this movie have some fucking fun (laughs) shit there were so many things for me to hate about this movie like I don't like torture porn, and I don't like nihilistic endings. So to me, this was everything in a movie I don't like except for jump scares. And I think because it didn't have jump scares, it won't be as high on the scary scale for me as like, you know, like a Blair Witch or something like that. But I did not like this movie, but I was scared by it. Like it did disturb me, but... I, I don't think anyone should watch this movie. Like, I don't see anything redeemable about a, about sitting through 90 minutes of this movie. Like, it was boring for, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I tried to watch it last night. I fell asleep before they got taken because it was sort of boring up till that point. And then I watched the rest this morning and I was just straight up disturbed by the whole thing. But I did not really understand why this movie got made, who this movie is for. I mean, if you're like, someone who hates women and just wants to watch men survive over women at their expense, you might like this movie, but that's not me. And it's not for me, you know? Yeah. And I I read a ton of reviews and a lot of arguments for like, well, this is the genre. It's kind of a slasher. And I'm like, no, No, it's not kind of a slasher, but slashers have final. That's what made final girls. Well, and I, I we have a final boy in this case, which is fine. I don't care, but like our final boy didn't do much to be that final boy. I would argue, he is not a final boy because he never even sees the killer again after his kidnapping. He never sees the killer. He literally frees himself. Good for him. Like, that looked painful. Fine. But he gets away because he's hunting Christy. So while he's hunting Christy, he gets away. Which is, I mean, that's not his fault. No. I would totally abandon you guys out of comp. I completely would do the same to you, Mikey. I'd be like, (laughs) I mean, definitely Mikey's getting eaten first. So I'm going to have some time to get away. Right? I'm plumper. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) 
it's more to store for winter. <laughs> That's or, true. Yeah. Okay, if I was inventing a cool Australian horror villain, it'd be Paul Hogan for sure. Well, yeah, it'd be Paul Hogan, but I would also <laughs> want him to like kidnap people and release them in the outback and then hunt them. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why not? I mean, he sort of almost does that here, but it seems more yeah. like he does it for sexual reasons. Like he just kills the men and just does horrible things to women and then kills them when he's done with them. Yeah, he's more of a traditional, just like sociopath, yeah. terrible person, which I don't really like to watch movies about. I like, I like, you know, some flourish. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like, I wouldn't mind if he's hunting the world's most dangerous game, man. But like, you know, like, <laughs> like at the end, if that was the shot of him like releasing them, he's like, in two hours, I'm gonna be behind you, like hunting you. Yeah, I would be down with that. Me too. Well, here's my other thing about this movie. It is basically a shittier version of Breakdown. Have either of you seen Breakdown? Breakdown's fucking awesome. I haven't seen it, but I love that Tom Petty song. Well, it's unrelated. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought I thought they were both based on actual events. Sorry. Uh, Breakdown is a Kurt Russell movie. It's where so good. It's so fucking good, but it's the same idea of like car breaks down. People have been tracking them. They kidnap that. Like it is essentially the same movie, but with more story, more information about the people in it, more information about the motivation of the people doing it and Kurt Russell, although he's in khakis the whole time, whatever. But Uh, like a business casual Kurt Russell. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) It is business casual Kurt Russell. It's business. But it's essentially like his wife gets kidnapped and he has to go and help free his wife but it's all part of their plan and then they have to kind of escape together yeah it's a super fucking fun like version of this story but so i'm watching this and i'm like okay so it's a shitty version of breakdown Well, like I'd rather, I wish I just would have watched Breakdown. <laughs> well, I mean, I've never seen Breakdown, but it sounds like it would be a better version of this. But mainly, I'm saying that because it's Kurt Kurt Russell. Like I love Kurt Russell; he could do no wrong in my eyes. But maybe we should just yeah. get in this movie because we got a little bit to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll have you know, I peppered some fun facts in throughout, so we'd have more to talk about. Because even as I was watching it, I was like, "We're not gonna have anything to talk about." Yeah, I don't know how you're not gonna summarize the first 40 minutes with they meet and then they go to the Wolf Creek. Welcome to our first 45 minute episode. <laughs> We'll get through it because they make a couple different stops and it's important to note a couple of them along the way. So uh, the first thing I have just in my notes is just not scary, but also not fun, which I think I've already said. But like, yeah, I just want to reiterate that. (laughs) See, I did find it scary, Paige. This is not scary. I mean, I understand, but like I am scared by almost everything. I guess. Uh, So we open on a title card that says the following is based on actual events. 30,000 people are reported missing in Australia every year. 90% are found within a month. Some are never seen again. And I reading that it's supposed to like horrify you, but I'm like, that's a really good statistic. I wonder what it is for the U.S. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, please. I actually wondered this myself. Okay. In the United States, over 600,000 people go missing every year. Good Lord. Is that true? What's the statistic? Because they file missing persons reports all the time. Yes. So I have to break this down a little bit differently. It's not as straightforward. Break down. (laughs) Go ahead and give it to me, Paige. Which is also why the statistic that they put at the beginning of this movie is not accurate. It don't mean shit, apparently. Yes. Tell me everything that QAnon has told you about the missing people. Okay, over 600,000 missing people every year. Yes. Of those, 1%, and that's about 1,800 people a year, are found dead. So, like, okay. That, and that sounds good initially, but we'll go through it. That's so, still a lot of people. That's like a whole ass, like, middle school and high school. Yes. So, like, give or take, call it 2,000 people a year found dead. 
of that 2,000 people, 95% of them are adults. Okay. And 75% of that 95%, so call it 1,500 to 1,800 of that 2,000, uh, are adults who have died by suicide. Okay. So they, like, take a gun into the woods and complete yeah. suicide or something like that. Something right. like that, yes. Right. Update. Alexa has woken up and is very excited that Paige has followed her on Instagram. <laughs> You're going to buy some fucking cookware today. (laughs) Anyway, your chances of being found as a missing person in the United States go up exponentially if you're not in one of the following states. So the list I'm about to give you are the worst places to go missing in the United States. You have the lowest. Let's do a drum roll. Can we get a drum roll sound effect? Yes, I can do that. The lowest, lowest chance of being found. Wait, wait, gonna... wait, Paige. How many are you doing? Because I'm going to give you like a countdown. Eight. The eighth worst place to go missing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Number eight. <laughs> Number eight. <laughs> Wyoming. That checks out. Shit. If you go into there, you're like pretty much missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number seven. Montana. That checks out. The Badlands, it's in the name. Yeah. 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 Number six. <laughs> Idaho. Utah, no, Idaho. <laughs> I was about to say, Paige, don't talk about yourself like that. I honestly thought more would be in the South, but we got five coming up. We're so. not to the top three yet. Yeah. Uh, also, none of them are in the South. You're welcome. Wow, if you're in the okay. South, you get fucking found. Because everyone is nosy bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Nevada. That checks out. Yep. What happens there stays there because your body is buried in the desert. <laughs> yep. Number four. <laughs> Washington State. Oh, Pacific Northwest? Hell yeah. You just walk into those big, dense forests, you never come out. Yeah. You walk into Tannis, and that's what happens. Absolutely. Number yeah. three. Again from the Pacific Northwest, Oregon. Oh. oh. <laughs> Man, they're just not doing well I this know. Year. I honestly thought Tennessee would be on the list somewhere. Number two. Arizona. Oh, that checks out. It's A, the same reason as Nevada, because you got to set a desert, but also yeah. you're bordering Mexico. So a lot of people... <sighs> End up over the border. Yeah, you just like walk across the border because you're trying to run from the cops or whatever, or you're on the run. Yeah, so there's a case in Arizona where a person's been missing and it's completely cold for like 18 years. So like, yeah, Arizona. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're living on the beach waiting for Red to come join them as they're like hollowing out a canoe. (laughs) Yeah, so guesses for number one. North Dakota. Yeah, I was going to say one of the Dakotas because, you know, Badlands. You guys are forgetting the worst place to go missing. Oh, wait, California. No. Oh, no, 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 There's no, a no. lot of rural area in California. Texas. Nope. It should be number one in the front of your minds and on your lists. Fucking Alaska, oh, dude. Shit. Alaska. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, of course it's Alaska, right? That doesn't even count. Uh, Alaska <laughs> is the number one worst place to go missing. You have the least chance of being found if you go missing in Alaska. It's rugged terrain, like 95% yeah. of that state. Well, and here, here's what I'll say about Alaska. If you go missing in Alaska, there's less chance that they'll find your body, which is why you'll still be quote-unquote missing because it's yeah. harder yeah. to find your body. That checks out because the bear is eating it. Yeah. Well, just also the inclement weather is going to prevent 
prevent people from searching for you too. Yeah. Anyway, of missing person cases, of that 600,000, most of those are children who are often abducted by a non-custodial parent. Yeah. And so 94% of the children's cases are resolved within 72 hours. And of that 94%, about 47 of them are resolved within three hours. So that 600,000 is a pretty high number, but a lot of that is open cases that are resolved within three days. Okay. Um, so that leaves open missing persons cases, uh, which is still much higher than Australia. But in America, only 23% of those people get found. <laughs> What? Okay, so I work with missing persons a lot yeah. for work. Yeah. A lot of it is like if you just pack up and like a lot, most it's mostly adults. Adults can just disappear. Yeah. Some people like if you have a psychotic break and like you'll just go to a new city and like use a different name and be homeless, you, like yeah. you'll never be found unless you like do something really bad. And, or, or, but if you weren't in a database or anything, like that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Like people leave their group homes and things. Like I, I deal with a lot of missing persons in the context of mental health disorders. Which yeah, is right. a, which is a lot. And to be clear, the this subset of the missing persons cases is only the adults, adults that have not been found dead already. Of those cases, only twenty three percent are found. God, and again, wow. it, it could just be people leaving. I think in some countries where you have more institutionalized things like healthcare, where like their state healthcare, their state provided stuff. In some ways, I think that makes it a little easier to keep track of some people. Well, yeah, because they're caught literally by the social safety net in their country. Right. Yeah. And America don't have that. Nope. So only 23% of people get found. So if you- Can I tell you the story when I found a missing person? Ooh, you found a missing person? Is it something uh-huh. you can talk about? Yeah. Then yeah, absolutely. Okay. Please do. There's no identifying information. You're not going to break HIPAA is what you're saying. I'm not going to talk about their vaccination status. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these jokes are killing us. <laughs> I, I'm never more proud of Mikey than when he's proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> so this this guy comes in. He was just like found at the, the homeless shelter. And they're like, he's not high enough functioning to like be here. And he's like, I talk to him. I do a full thing. He's not like super psychotic or anything, but he's like, look, uh, I'm from. He told me where he like the city he was from. And I, he's like, I was like, do you have any family or anything down there? And, he, and I was like, who was taking care of you? And he's like, oh, well, like my brother and his family are taking care of me. But they all they're all dead in a fire. Oh, geez. And I was like, no, are they, though? <laughs> so I was like, because <laughs> he was, like, really well taken care of. And, like, I think he had given, like, a kind of a fa- false name or whatever. Like, I don't think he, like, meant to. He just was not, like, a highest functioning individual. Sure. So I was like, when your brother was alive, like, what what was his cell phone number? And so he gives me this cell phone number. And then I go and call it. And it, oh, because he said his, he also said his apartment burned down too, but he did not live with them. Like there's fires everywhere, little fires everywhere. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> so I call the number, and his brother's like, Oh my God, we've been looking, he's been missing for weeks. We've been looking for him for a long time. And they ended up driving from there like four hours away to come get him. And we took care of him during that time. And then they like, they got me like a like a fruit basket delivered the next day, oh, like finding their sweet. brother. Yeah, it was super nice. Oh, I shared it with sweet. everybody. It's also a little mean that they were like, that guy could use some fruit. <laughs> well, there was like chocolate in it. It was like a big gift basket. Oh, okay. It was like okay. a fan- it was like I found my brother who was missing after like a month's kind of gift basket. Okay. I mean, I honestly it probably happened so much. You could just call a gift basket place and be like, hey, can you just send this guy the they found my brother after a month special or whatever it is? Yeah. He looks like he needs to fart more. Put a lot of fruit in it. <laughs> he needs some roughage in his just diet roughage. for just sure. Just roughage all the way. Do you guys do like K 
kale bouquets or <laughs> anyway so all this to say the statistic they quote for australia if it's accurate Good job. Good job, guys. Yeah, you guys are doing it right, man. 90% found would we're at like 23% found. That's really good. Yeah. Well, okay. To be clear, of that 600,000, a lot of them are kids, a lot of them are missing persons reports. Our number overall, if you take that 600,000, is probably closer to 70%. But most of those are the children that are easily resolved. So if you're an adult who goes missing, good fucking luck. Yeah. I've been a missing child twice in my life. And I was, I was found who kept messing up <laughs> the first time I was found within a few hours. The next time I was found within like 20 minutes. One time a different parent took me home from school just cause there was a miscommunication with my parents. They weren't there on time. So a friend was like, we'll just take you back to our house. Cause we know you're safe or whatever. Yeah. But nobody called my parents about it. Oh, no. And it, it took my mom like four or five calls to figure out where we were. Uh, and then one time I went missing in Disneyland, but I found my way back. Nice. Paige is smart. Yeah. I just ran away from my school after I pants the kid. <laughs> I wish that wasn't a true story. That is 100% a true story. They found me walking on the road. Uh, a lady picked me up and called the cops and they came to get me. And the second time it was like a custody dispute and they found us within like 20 minutes. Mm. That was a rough day, man. I was like 12. Yeah. God, Todd. Yeah. You pants the kid. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Not when my dad yeah. literally got in a fight with my mom and took us. Yeah. Oh, this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was just me he took, but yeah. Well. You're the favorite. Well, I was the only one there. He has my feet, so. He has my feet. <laughs> yeah. he, knows he, he knows you guys can, like, run off road. And, like, up trees. And shit. <laughs> uh, okay, so, back to the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> enough on the title card at the beginning of the movie. I just thought it was a really. Yeah. We, we've been recording 43, almost 44 minutes, and we're not off the title card yet. <laughs> Because we're going to fly through the damn thing because I don't want to talk about the party for 20 minutes. I do. I have a lot to nitpick about the party, actually. So I'm going to dig in deep on that. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, so we get uh, a title card. This is Broom Western Australia 1999. Yeah. Uh, we open with a guy who we will eventually find out is Ben. Uh, buying a car for $1,500. And at this point, the camera was so shaky. I just have typed into my notes, is this found footage? <laughs> that was what I was talking about. When I saw that shaky cam, I was like, oh, Paige is triggered right now. <laughs> uh, it gets a lot better through does, the rest yeah. of the movie. They don't go shaky cam the whole time, which I appreciate. Unless it's found footage, there's no need for it. No, they go shaky plot. Yes, Mikey, it is a shaky plot. <laughs> I have notes about why it was shaky cam and why it gets better as the movie goes on. Okay. Because that guy, that was his first job. He, like, learned on the job. Yes. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> Mikey. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, this this movie this movie was filmed chronologically. <laughs> that does not surprise me. And so this shot, as well as a lot of the shots of them driving on the road, are the first week of the shoot. Okay, and it's all handheld camera. It sort of has the look of like early DSLR. It's early HD. Yeah, yeah. But he he wanted originally to shoot it on mini DV and had to be talked out of it. Good. Yeah, that's why I, when I read that I was like. Fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know this is only for the camera nerds, but fuck you. Yeah. That would have been unwatchable. <laughs> yeah. I want to shoot everything on laser disc. It's definitely not a dying medium. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, so as he's kind of getting the car together, the guy who's selling him the car is really kind of mumbling his way through lines about how he's going to travel with two girls and like, that's kind of fun and sexy and don't do anything I wouldn't do. And as Ben's kind of pulling out, he's like, what a tool. Yeah, that's the difference between me and Ben. I never pull out. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you're always nice to car salesmen, but no, (laughs) you went with a sexual joke. (laughs) Fun fact, 500,000 of those missing people are just Mikey's sperm. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just like two pumps, but we'll get to it. Uh, So, meanwhile, we cut back to the girls uh, at what we will find out is a hostel, but nothing is explained. You have to infer that for yourself later on. Uh, So they're back at the hostel, and the girls are kind of comparing photos of them as a group and sending one as a postcard. Yeah. Meanwhile, he takes a car to the mechanic, who just, I do love the mechanic in this, where he's got, like, the hood up, and he's yep, yep. Yeah, and I do like Ben's reaction to that. He's just like, "How long is it gonna take?" He's like, "I don't know, a little bit longer." He's like, "All right," and then like he starts doing it with him. Yeah, he just really leans into it. I really like that. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. So we we cut back to the girls, and they are talking about Ben, and basically are like, "Well, he fancies you." No, he doesn't. He fancies you, and. Liz is like there's gonna be three of us in a car for three weeks which also I'm like that's way too long of a trip with people that you've just met which we will find out later that they have just met I thought Liz and Christy knew each other and they're like British and they came in for like a let's go to Australia or whatever and then they met Ben and they were like hey we just met this man we don't know let's go on a three week vacation with him specifically dear penthouse you'll never believe this (laughs) (laughs) I never thought it would happen to me Dear Slasher Consortium of Crystal Lake, you won't believe how easy it was to murder these two women. Jason, we got a letter from your pen pal. (laughs) But this is, as a lady who has traveled overseas and will travel overseas in the future, no. (laughs) This is like you guys in the hostel episode where I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll stay here. Uh, Anyway, so... He pulls up in the car, and it's an old station wagon. Yeah, it was $1,500. Like, it's not bad for the price, right? Yeah. It's because Australian men, they just rest on the accent. Like, they don't have any, like, positive qualities about their personality. To attract women, they just rely on the accent. You hear that, all Australian men that Mikey is going after currently? Mikey's coming for your Sheila's. What, are they going to do, swim all the way over here? (laughs) Wait, you think they can't get on airplanes, Mikey? You think they're going to swim Oh, here? I think they're scared of technology. <laughs> oh, you are taking some hard swings at people that literally are there because it was once a prison colony. I'm just saying it's a bad take, and you're inviting some burly men to come beat you up. I think it should still be a prison colony. <laughs> like, what if we shipped all of our bad people to Australia? That's no. what, like, the UK did for, like, 200 years hear me out the whole world does it and then we videotape it and you can watch that live feed welcome back to survivor australia people are gonna (laughs) fucking die everything in australia is trying to kill you yeah but like i feel like if we ship away all of our bad people we'll have no reality shows here well that's why we'll have drones We'll only have that one, though, and that's not that fun. Have y'all ever seen the movie Fortress with Christopher Lambert where they're on a prison island and they record it for the outside world? Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm more of an escape from New York person. 
I like all of those ideas. Hey, Australians who listen to this, of which there are many. Yes, there are. We love you. <laughs> yes, two thirds of us love you. <laughs> we love you. Hate your spiders. Gonna stay here, safe distance away from them. But we love you. Try reading. Oh my God, Mikey. They can read. They're better educated than us in most cases. <laughs> Shout out to New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, Western and Southern Australia. Yeah, dude. Maybe stop shitting on a huge <laughs> portion of our downloads because it's for cult podcasts, too. It's like New Zealand is better. Doesn't matter. It lumps them together oh. and it doesn't matter. It's the same well, shit. If that's the case. By the way, Mikey, Australia has three times the downloads as New Zealand does. I just look it up. Well, yeah, it's like real big. I just really like to pick fights with really stupid things. I, and Australian women are great. <laughs> it's just when an Australian male goes to another country, they just rest on the accent. And we can pretend it doesn't happen, but we all know it's true. So what you're saying is Hugh Jackman can fuck off, but Nicole Kidman, yeah. Hugh Jackman is a famous actor. from he Australia. He's not at the local pub being like, Oh, I'm an Australian. So you're <laughs> oh you're God. you're gonna argue that like all the Hemsworth who battled giant spiders and became buff meat mountains to come to America to make their fortunes, they're just resting on the accent. No, not the Hemsworth. Look how much work they put into their craft. Look how much work they put into their bodies. I'm talking about the sloppy Australian at the local bar. Who is hitting on American women with just the accent? I don't think that one of the two sloppy American men on this podcast should be giving <laughs> shit to the sloppy Australian men of the world. Oh, yeah, because when we go to other countries and we're like, we're American men, people just line up. They do not, because Americans are. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, because Americans are terrible tourists. Because it's yeah. like a stormtrooper going to a world they're occupying without his armor on and being like, I'm on leave. What's your thing, girl? <laughs> take me to this place that has historical significance to you so I can take pictures of it <laughs> and then take some of it back to my place and put it in a museum. Yep. And then I'll put it in your museum. Are you done shitting on like our fourth highest download <laughs> contributor? It is our fourth. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it's United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's fourth because it's everyone's fourth. It was Colt Podcast fourth too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Quit it. <laughs> Mikey's just joking. Yes. I'm sorry, Australia. Thank you for apologizing. Appreciate the apology, Mike. <laughs> That's not an apology. This is an apology. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. Anyway, there's a rumor that he has a girlfriend in Sydney, but that never plays out. We don't know. It's just a rumor. We never find out if he does or not. We do find out that he told them that. Yeah. But he kisses Liz and no one ever talks about if he has a girlfriend. I mean, they well, if he told them he has a girlfriend, that's not a rumor, right? Um, Unless he told them to keep them at arm's length. Just like in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Mikey. Oh, my God. Australians <sighs> don't have to keep you at arm's length because they have a boomerang to bring you back. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't like Australia. I never go back. <laughs> this, is a, this is like a parade of bad takes Next you're going to tell me you like this movie <laughs> I like talking about it more than I thought I would <laughs> I've already enjoyed this podcast more than I enjoyed watching the movie Yes, Same Anyway, so they have shopped for supplies for their trip for the next day And then that night they party their faces off Yeah, at the hostel pool, I think Like it literally is at yeah. the hostel Which 
is probably not super uncommon in areas where pools are more prevalent. Well, parties are prevalent where pools are there. That's why they call them pool parties. But, well, <laughs> also, also hostile parties are like a thing. Oh, yeah. Which... I've gone to a lot of hostile parties. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were just regular parties that turned hostile after you arrived. I think they were just Australian <laughs> parties, and they were like, who the fuck invited Mikey? He's upsetting the spiders. I'm like, go back to your prison. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till we get famous enough and you meet all the Hemsworth Eye and they just beat your ass. Hemsworth Eye. Like, that's what I go down for. <laughs> that's what I want on my tombstone, like murdered by the Hemsworth due to their Australian anger because, you know, they have tempers. I'll go down for a lot of stuff for the Hemsworths. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, they have a huge party with the hostel. Everyone's kind of wishing them off on their trip. Yeah, they're saying goodbye. Yeah, there's a boogie board in a pool. They're drinking Smirnoff ice at one point, and I was like, oh, this is 2005. <laughs> I wonder where the Alizé is. <laughs> Hop out the bus with the Alizé. Fuck yeah, Paige. <laughs> That's the only reason I know what Alizé is. I've never had alcohol in my life, so I know Barnes and James and Alizé because of that song. <laughs> Barnes and James and Alizé. One of my best friends used to work as a bouncer at a strip club, and there was a girl whose stripper name was Alizé. Classy. <laughs> and he now talks about it on stage and is like, bitch, I'm not calling you Alizé. I didn't call Jenny Champagne either. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the next morning, Christy and Ben wake up in the same bed. They yes. are clothed and they're not. They're kind of facing opposite ways. Yeah, they're head to toe. Yeah, but they do wake up in the same bed and then she sneaks out of that bedroom and then goes and like rustles up her sleeping bag on the bed to make it look like she slept there. And grabs her toothbrush like she's waking up for the day, right? But she right. really wants to not let Liz know she fell asleep with Ben, right? Yes. That's why I was like, oh, they have something and Liz just happens to also have a crush on Ben, but Christy's already having sex with him. You've just described more of a plot that ever happens in this film. <laughs> yeah. Agree. Meanwhile, Liz wakes up on the beach in like a pile of people and bottles yes. and takes off her clothes and swims in the ocean one last time. Oh, I thought she was just like washing the night off. You definitely don't want to wash the night off no. in the ocean. The ocean is fucking I know. filthy. When she came out still fully dressed for some reason, I was like, oh, you still smell terrible, girl. You got to wash that off. <laughs> No, she comes out, puts her clothes back on, yeah. and then takes like one. What do one you expect from British people? <laughs> oh, wow. You jumped <laughs> up from our number four most downloaded place to our number two most downloaded place. <laughs> wow, Mikey. I think it's interesting that, that Britain is number two for you guys. Canada's number two for cult podcast, and Britain is number three. Oh, anyway. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, we uh, we have a pretty big, like, over the seas appeal. Although, and honestly, they're very, very close to each other. So, Canada, step it up if you want to be number two <laughs> actually and canada has a big horror community that i know of so like that does sort of surprise me yeah i thought of this as her taking one last look at the ocean because they're going to go on their sure. trip and probably not coming back this way oh, well they're definitely not coming back oh well yeah i mean we know that from the movie but i think their initial plans were not to come back as yes, well yeah uh so she grabs her clothes they go to pack up the car and they head out and they are all like hung over as shit yeah and we do get an interesting shot through a bullet hole in one of the signs on the road. That was cool, yeah. And it was like right where the eye of that animal would have been. 
Right. Yeah. And it made me wonder if he's already tracking and watching them at this point. Oh, I don't know. I don't think that happens until they go to the um, that backwater gas station place. That's the place where we have evidence of it happening, yes. but who who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at this point, we now get the credits, even though we're 12 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I timed it because I was like, oh, I didn't think there would be credits because like we're already like. Well, that's a long cold open. And it's a cold open that could have been five, three minutes long. Absolutely. You buy a car, you have a goodbye party and you leave. Like that's not very yeah. long. Yeah. We cut into essentially a credit slash montage that goes on for another 15 minutes. Yeah. Of them just driving along the highways as we're kind of seeing their car. We're seeing the landscape. We're finding out some stuff from them. Like we're f- we find out that they're driving from Broome to I am going to butcher the pronunciation. It's spelled Cairns, but I think it's Carnes. Okay. And they're going to camp along the way. He tries to play the guitar. It is terrible. He should stop immediately. Well, and the girls even tell him that. They're like, you're very bad at this. And he's like, I'm not that bad. I only need my accent. <laughs> Todd just sounded like Jason Statham as Handsome Rob. <laughs> Honestly, I'll take it. If it's on the menu. I can't do accents. I am the worst. Yeah, me too. I don't know if you guys know this. I've only got like one accent that I'm good at, and it's just like, the mom we got you tr- <laughs> <laughs> I called it before you started doing it. I want credit for that. <laughs> we got you torture a whole bag. <laughs> We're going to have Australian accents and that mom from Sleepaway Camp accents in our reviews coming up. All I guarantee of my it. accents just go to a town. If I go long enough, I'm like, it's a me, an Australian. <laughs> I come to murder you. I rest of my accent. <laughs> so we cut to, they get to a place called Hall's Creek uh, and they camp for the night and sleep under the stars. And every time this happened, it bothered me because they're sleeping like directly on the ground in most of these cases. Yeah. This- in Australia. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was like snakes, spider, scorpion, like. We, I wouldn't sleep on the ground in my house. If I was in Australia camping with two women who just wanted to go camping with me for two weeks, I'd be like, the only snake you have to worry about is in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, page head and hand right now, Mikey. That's what you've done to her. I also really hated that when they showed the stars above them, it was fully just a picture. Yeah. And it looked mm-hmm. like a picture the Hubble Space Telescope had taken from space. Yeah. They're like, let's count the galaxies. <laughs> So they sleep under the stars and he tells them a UFO story. And what he tells them is essentially it's very similar to the I want to make sure I get their names right. (laughs) You ever like remember a famous name and you're like, that can't be the real thing. Yes, it is. Betty and Barney Hill. It's very similar (laughs) to the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction story where they saw lights in the sky in their car. And then all of a sudden they were gone. Car stopped. Clock stopped. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Yeah. And we cut to the next morning where they're packing up and they're struggling with the tent. They're clearly not experienced campers, I would say. I think they're people who are camping on a lark. I mean, I think they're camping because they don't have a lot of money. And there probably yeah. isn't a lot of places to stop and like get a hotel out there, right? So yeah. they're camping from necessity, whether that be financial or just where they are. Right. It was at this point in the movie that I really, it had happened enough times that I was like, the sound design in this movie is not good because <laughs> you cannot hear their dialogue. And I'm like, who did this? Christopher Nolan? I had to, <laughs> I had to turn on subtitles uh, to yeah. make sure I knew what they were saying. Yeah. Same. So they take off from that rest stop to 
the next one, which is Emu Creek. And at this point, I'm like, it's 20 minutes into this movie and I don't know anyone's names. <laughs> yeah, I just knew it was two British girls and an Australian guy. I love that show. <laughs> two British girls, an Australian guy and a pizza place. That's the first time I ever saw Ryan Reynolds and I was like, that guy's a star. <laughs> so they freshen up in the bathroom. Meanwhile, Ben takes out a camcorder and he's like talking into the camcorder. He does like a, a bad Captain Kirk as like this is their captain's log. And then we meet the gas station attendant named Graham. And I just have in my notes, finally a name. <laughs> <laughs> For a character we see literally in two shots. Like he's only at Emu Rest Station or whatever this place is called. Yep. And we get this conversation between Christy and Ben where she's like, hey, she has a crush on you. Don't be a dick to her. So like figure out what's going on with your girlfriend and what you're going to do about it. Yeah. And then make your move. And then she basically says, find a man for me and we'll all go crazy together. Yeah. We're at their destination city, wherever they're going to end up. Right. Yeah. So they walk into. Wait, I just realized that he has a girlfriend, right? So like, how did he yeah. tell her that he was going to be gone with two British ladies for three weeks? This is why I think the girlfriend might be fake. Yeah, it's got to be. There's no way a girlfriend is like, yeah, that's fine. Go you go for a three week car ride with two gorgeous UK women. That sounds like yeah. a recipe for not cheating on me. Right, right, right. Um, We cut to inside at what is essentially kind of like a diner. Uh, and the girls are ordering at the counter and there's a group of men kind of catcalling them or talking about them loudly. It's no secret that they're talking about them. Right. Uh, and Ben comes in and they call Ben over and they're like, we were just thinking we would ask your lady friends if they're down for a gangbang, which I'm sure is their idea of a joke, but does not make the ladies feel safe and is not cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a really weird disgusting thing that like say right and ben kind of is a bit of a dick to them and then the one guy steps up as if he's gonna fight ben and they're like we're just gonna leave yeah ben de-escalates it which is the right way to go yeah because just leave yeah. and they decide to get into their car and he says i should have tai chi'd his ass <laughs> which by the way probably would not have helped no because he was much bigger than ben and there were four of them but also it's it's tai chi <laughs> Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, in my mind, when I heard that, I was just like, fight? You're going to fight them? But no, Tai Chi is more like for mental Breathing clarity and, and, and like stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have done hot yoga all over his ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my, it's my new defensive thing, meditation. <laughs> so they take off toward Wolf Creek and it starts raining and they know it's going to be cold that night. They pull off into... Uh, the parking lot and they kind of read off the sign where it's like no camping, no hiking, no fire, no fire. Yeah. So they can't stay there. They have to basically just walk the trail, which is going to take them three hours and then come back. Yes. So they take an umbrella and a backpack full of food. They go out to the crater and we do get a POV that looks like maybe they're being followed. This is like the first hint that somebody's following. Them. Yes. So they reach the top of the crater. They spend way too much time talking about and looking at this crater. They're like, oh, look at this crater. It's beautiful. It's like a beautiful crater. 
It's like maybe the ugliest thing in Australia. Okay, hot take. I sort of really like the story of this crater. I like the aerial shots of it. I was like, oh, cool. Something visually fun to look at at least. Yeah. No, I, I don't mind the story of the crater. We just didn't need to be there for as long as we are because it's 30 to 40 minutes into the movie and this is all that's happened. Yeah, they're there for like 15 minutes and nothing happens except for Liz and Ben kiss, even though they right. seem to have no chemistry throughout the entire movie. <laughs> And so this boggled my mind. They, they're they kissing, and they also end up, like, making out. A little, yeah. But then through the rest of these few last scenes that we have with them, they aren't cuddling. They aren't holding hands. There's no other interaction with them. I have two things to say about it. Why set up any relationship dynamic if you're not going to have him try to rescue her or her right. see him die? Yeah. Anything like that never plays out. And two... They have no chemistry because you cannot base a relationship off an accent. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, please move on, Paige. Yeah, they get back to the car. It will not start. And they also notice that their watches don't work, which means our Bushman has like an EMP. Like what? How? He's Magneto. (laughs) I mean, that's the other thing, because there's a part of me where it's like there's a version of this movie that is UFOs. That's fucking interesting as shit. That's what I thought originally when they got there and they were telling the story about the crater and all that stuff and the UFO stuff that had happened there and I was like okay cool this might be sort of a fun little taken UFO styles type movie but no it's just not good so everyone's watches have stopped they're gonna sleep in the car and then the next day they're gonna try to get back to the camp which is where all those creepy dudes were but I'm like I guess that's your only option yeah so he pops the hood but he's not a car guy And so they all kind of bundle up in the car. I've done that, though. Like, I have literally broken down, popped the hood, and looked for what I could only fix. Like, the only thing I could do in there is if there was, like, an on-off switch that was in the off position. That's, like, the only (laughs) thing I could (laughs) fix. Or if something was, like, actively on fire, you could be like, it's probably that. I could tell when the battery is, like, gone bad. But, like, that's about it. That's the one thing I can do. Like, and I have jumper cables in my car. But, like, that's it. And if it's not an on-off switch or jumper cable issue related, I can't do anything. Right. Which bends the same way. Yeah. Because <laughs> he can't do shit. <laughs> he can't do shit. Except speaking that accent. <laughs> I think Mikey is turned on by Australian male accents, and he is just having trouble, like, acknowledging that. Women, female accents. <laughs> female accents, yeah. I really do enjoy a female with an Australian accent and British accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. And Natalie, because she's an actress, is very good at accents, and I enjoy that. We don't need to know about whatever nope, this nope. is going into. I won't give you too much information, but it's fun. Mm-mm. She's like, you've been accepted to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a wizard, Todd. <laughs> yeah, guys, we have a very, very interesting gender bender Hagrid role play <laughs> that I'm into. Allow me to fluffle puff you to get you ready. <laughs> She's just wearing a beard. <sighs> oh, my God. He can slither into my chamber of secrets. Anyway. You don't know how close you are right there, Paige. All right, let's move on, though. Let's not get into it. Oh, no. I'm a Slytherin. Is she a moaning myrtle? <laughs> yes. Uh, she is a uh, Hufflepuff. I'm good. Let's, let's move on. I love you. Like, I don't want any more information, please. No. Mikey, do you want to talk about aliens or something with grownups in it? Because th- that's more where I'm at right now. Yeah, I do. Anyway, so they're in the car, and he retells that UFO story. Yeah. 
because they see lights in the distance and it does look like those lights are hovering but it's just because they're kind of coming over the ridge yeah i mean it's definitely a car yeah uh so the car pulls up uh he gets out they get out too and he seems to be like a fun australian Sherm on the Bobby Outback guy. <laughs> and yeah. he's like he's like one step away from Crocodile Dundee. And of course, Nick is threatened and makes fun of him and ends up you mean ben? taunting him to kill Yeah, whatever his name is. But this is also this is the first place we find out that the girls aren't Australian. If if you couldn't tell right? by the yeah. accent, this is the first time you find out. Yeah. And to be honest, they don't talk enough in the first 40 to 50 minutes of this movie for you to really notice it. If you Unless you're super tuned into it. It's actually bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he basically tells them, I can, I know what's wrong with your car. I can fix it. We just got to get you back to my camp and then you can get on the road in the morning. Yeah. And they kind of debate because they're like, he's going to want money or something to fix it. And so they send Ben to go talk to him. And Ben is like, so how much is this going to like, could you tow us back to town? And he's like, no, I'm going the wrong direction. I'll just fix your car. It'll be fine. Yeah. And and he's like, "Okay, but how much is that going to cost? He's like, I wouldn't charge you. And that should be your red flag. Yeah. But to be honest, if they would have said no, he probably would have just killed them at the camp. Well, killed them and abducted them or whatever he was going to do. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think that's a red flag. If someone's like, no, I'll give you part parts and labor for free yeah that's a red flag yeah he hooks their car up to his truck with a cable like literally just a, a steel cable and tows them and they stay in the car while he drives so they're just kind of sleeping because it's late and they're exhausted and they don't realize that they've driven hours like yeah. it's a dirt road it was south and they they realize they've been on the road for a while and they start to get suspicious but then they pull into what looks like an old mining company and they park the car they set up camp they've got kind of this fun little like bonfire going and he's talking about his whole life story where he is a shooter which if you don't know a lot about wildlife in some cases where wildlife is overpopulated or there's been a new species introduced that they need to kind of call the population they will hire people to shoot them believe it or not australia had a huge camel problem that they had to hire people to shoot from helicopters i learned that on tiktok thank you so that's the thing (laughs) and he's describing it and describing his job but he's going into like really really deep detail on like how to murder a pig and like what it feels like to kill animals and it's another red flag huge red flag it's definitely not great it's not good like the favorite part of my job is just like feeling the life go out of their eyes when you look at them and you're like i don't know about this guy hey are you gonna fix our car so we can get the fuck out of here please yeah Yeah, and and that's basically what they're like we would love to get going sooner more than and he's like yeah of course don't even worry about it yeah and so they're at one point ben is like what do you actually do and he's like i could tell you but then i have to kill you and they're like Uh, But then they have a a burping contest and a farting contest, which Mikey wouldn't be able to participate in because of his deficiency. (laughs) (laughs) And he then goes to work on the car and gives them like tea or what he says is like coffee or tea. I think it's water, right? He's like nothing better than rainwater from the top. They're drinking it in mugs, though. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah. But it is is rainwater. And everyone seems to kind of fall asleep. Liz is one of the last ones and she turns to Ben and is like, hey, Ben, can you move the esky away from the fire? Which, by the way, it took me a couple scenes to realize that she meant their Eskimo cooler away from the fire. Uh, But they all seem to fall asleep pretty deeply and quickly. We cut to the next morning and one of the first shots we get 
is of that Eskimo cooler, which melted. is now like a chunk of it is melted out of it because it was next to the fire. Mm-hmm. And that's really the tragedy of what happened that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had been drugged. Like they are, they passed out and could not really do anything. Because at first I was like, why did they sleep so deeply that they did not wake up while they were? But yeah, they were just drugged. Yeah. So she wakes up and now she's tied up with zip ties yeah, in is. one of the trailers. Yeah. yeah, Liz is. So she manages to get a shard of glass and cut herself free. Now, what I've just described to you takes solidly 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, from once they arrive? No, 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 just from watching her struggle. Like, she, she's in that room struggling with that shard of glass for way too long. She finally cuts herself free, cuts her feet free, gets out of the trailer, sees that their car is dismantled, which means it's obviously not drivable. Oh, yeah, the Bushman dude took all the parts out of it he could. Yeah. yeah, and she sees sleeping bags covered in blood. So she grabs shoes by the fire and puts them on without checking to see if there's spiders in it. Which, like, <laughs> that was the scariest part of the movie for me. <laughs> the shoes have been outside. They are not to be trusted. That's and maybe that's a California thing because black widows will climb in your shoes if you just leave your shoes outside, and it's not going to kill you, but it's not going to be fun. We have brown recluses here. In the yeah, country. exactly. Yeah. You gotta shake your shoes out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what Taylor Swift's song Shake It Off is about Yeah, it's about shaking spiders out of your yeah. shoes It's also about how she can't dance And that music video is amazing Just watching her try and dance Oh, she cannot dance <laughs> I love Taylor Swift But I also love that she can't dance It's my favorite fact about her So, we hear a scream across the camp And it's definitely Christy Oh, yeah I don't know their name So I'm like, it's definitely Christy well, it's Christy's been through one of the most traumatic things ever. And if she's going to yeah. scream and cry, I understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. absolutely. Like she is yeah. living through the scariest moment of her life. Uh, there is a point at which he's threatening to kill her. And I was honestly rooting for him to do so because I was like, then at least it would be over. Oh, you mean when she's tied up and he's like mocking yep. that he's going to shoot her? Yeah, that's like almost right here. Yeah, it's yeah. disturbing. Like this one scene right here is probably the most disgusting part of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. because so she creeps over and she looks through into one of the other like shipping containers that he's kind of modified into like rooms, I guess you yeah. want to think about that. And we see Christy who has clearly been brutally tortured. She is covered mm-hmm. in blood, head to toe. Her nose looks like it's broken. I mean, she, she looks like the Andrew W.K. like first album cover, if you know what I'm talking about, like the broken yeah. nose thing. She looks like she's been through well, a lot. Yeah, she has been through a lot. And as he kind of is, he's pretending to shoot her and he's shooting and just missing her. Like he is clearly getting off on the fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's talking about like what he's going to do to her and it's not good. And how he always wears a rubber because he doesn't know where she lives a bin or whatever. I think it's what he's already done to her. Oh, shit. I mean, we don't see that. Thank God. But it very well could have been. Yeah. And Sheila's some sort of Australian slang term. For ladies. That's why they put it on the bathrooms at Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) I've never used the ladies room there. Excuse me, the sh- the Sheila's room. Thank you. Yeah, it's the Sheila's room, but the men's bathroom is actually just called the Steve's room. It's very strange. <laughs> Steve's. <laughs> Sheila's and Steve's. It's Sheila and Steve. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the Australian version of the Bible is Sheila and Steve, and not Sheila Adam and, and Eve. Steve I love and it. Not Adam and Eve. Sheila and Steve. Anyway, he he makes very clear that he is 
about to assault her again. Yeah. And I will say that just given the timeline of what we see happen, he probably succeeds at least a little bit. And he also cuts one of her fingers off. Yeah. Like, we don't see it, but he talks about doing it. He cuts her pinky finger off. And so while all of that is happening, and we're just hearing her screams for, like, 20 minutes, Yeah, Liz lights part of their car on fire as a distraction and lets off a gas tank to cause a small explosion, which gets him to come out of the shipping container to address it. And while he's out dealing with the fire, she goes into Christy to try and rescue her, and he comes back in. Liz is hiding under his table where he keeps all his guns and everything. Yeah. And he pulls out a knife and he is at like obviously going to start cutting her, but he cuts her loose and then he's literally holding her face against his crotch. Yeah. And like pushing it's pretty graphic. Like it's really gross. Yeah. And and is like, what if I cut your tits off? And yeah. as that's happening, Liz gets up, gets the gun, and they kind of double-cross him. Like, now we've got the gun. Fuck you. She shoots at him, and she kind of grazes his neck and ear. But he passes out. Well, or he pretends to. Yeah. No, I don't think he pretended to. I think he pretended to. I I don't know if he pretended to or not. I could see him doing either, right? But, because he knows the gun's not loaded, and she doesn't go to get more bullets that are right behind her on the table. I think if she did go to do that, he probably would have got up. Yeah. This is my biggest thing is that she like maybe like pats him with the butt of the gun like, oh, let's finish him off. Yeah. Well, and honestly, there is a knife there. She could have stabbed him yeah, in the neck. I would have she... been like, we've got to make sure this is dead. Yeah. Like yeah. stabbing him over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. That's what she should have done. Always make sure they're dead. Always. Also, I would not have left it up to chance by shaking and not getting close to him with the gun. I would have, without saying anything, because she's like, get away from her. You know, I would have walked up to him, put the barrel of the gun as close to his brain as I could have, and pulled the fucking trigger. It's actually easier to disarm someone holding a gun on you the closer they are. So you should go about seven feet, then shoot him in the gut. Yeah. Oh, in the gut? Yes, it will kill him. It'll It'll take longer, but it'll almost definitely kill him because he wouldn't have been able to get to a hospital in time yeah but if he has all that adrenaline in him and a knife i probably would have just tried to kill him uh well you would be i mean like center mass is where everybody if you get trained to kill somebody with a gun you get you aim center mass so gut chest kind of thing yeah but if you get too close to the head he could like grab it yeah yeah, yeah. that's fair well and what she does is she grazes his ear so it's survivable it's just a lot of blood because your head bleeds a lot. Yeah, but I damn sure would have either like hitting his face over and over again with the butt of the rifle or taking the knife and killing him. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have midsummered him with the butt of that rifle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but instead she unties Christy or unties her hands and feet because she's no longer tied to that post. They get out to his truck, realize they don't have the keys. So they go back in for the keys. They get in the truck, they rev the engine, and as they turn the lights on, he's there and shoots at them Yeah, and blasts the windshield out. They try to hit him with the car, which is smart, because I was like, hit the gas. Like, you have a very heavy battering ram that can kill him. But they think they've hit him, they put it in reverse and take off into the night, but they don't know where they're going, and they have no windshield. But sure enough, he's following them in another car. As they're driving... The car dies right around the edge of a cliff. And so they decide to push it over the cliff thinking he'll see the lights go over. I did laugh when the car goes down. And of course, it hits on the hood, like on the front of the car where the lights are. And the lights immediately go out. 
Right. I was like, of course that's going to happen. Like, he's not going to see the lights. Although he would see the car, which he does. Well, they're thinking he knows where the cliffs are, so he's going to see the lights go over the cliff. Oh, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But by that logic, he would have also have seen them stop at the edge of the cliff and then Laverne and Shirley their way over it, I guess. They're not the greatest escape artist, okay? Well, and also there's a lot going on and they're like running on adrenaline. So yeah, if you would just go back and murder the guy murdering you, you could have slowly gotten out of there. Yeah. What they do is they end up hiding on the ravine kind of just under the cliff so he can't see them when he looks over. Yeah. And this is where we find out from Christy that he killed the other woman that there's a woman hanging on the wall in his torture room yes and that he killed her quote she'd been alive for months he's going to do that to us but this is where because they have his keys they're like there must be a bunch of other cars we can go back and get another car and so after he leaves to go down to the truck to look for them they get up and try to make their way back we get one shot of ben who is like still unconscious and drooling yeah and then we cut back like we have no other information well, because they know that he's not going to come back for like 40 minutes. So we got to cut it so everybody knows he's alive. Yeah, I guess. Because if you miss that shot, you just assume he's dead already. Yeah. I honestly thought he was dead until that shot. Because all the blood that was on the sleeping bags, I was like, oh, he yeah. killed Ben. And he's going to keep the women and torture and sort of just be horrible to them. So Christy is slowing them down. So she leaves Christy out in the wilderness and Liz goes back to the camp. Yeah. So back at the camp, she looks around for other cars, but then she spends a whole bunch of time in his torture room looking at photos. She tries to load a gun and does, but then she looks around. She finds another trailer. She goes down into this weird trap door, which is clearly all the bodies. Uh, She screams. She gets out. She finds a garage full of cars, but then she finds evidence of the people he's kidnapped and just stops to watch a bunch of their camcorders. I know. It was ridiculous. Also, why did she go down that hole? Like, why even go in there? It's, it's because we as the audience need to see it. Like, they need to right. communicate to us what's going on but, there. But there's no logical reason for her to do that. That's what bothered me. Yeah. That's why I wish it would have taken him through, like, a male victim, like, from kidnap. Like, they're all watching him do it to a guy, and he throws him in there, and it cuts. Like, it gives them a reason to see his whole process. Like, yeah. I just would have done it differently. I don't know why she's wasting time with any of this stuff. Well, cause... and you're right, because she does waste a good five minutes watching videos, one of which was Ben's camera yeah. or at least the camera ban- the camera Ben was using and we right. already saw that shot like just run get the car and go you guys know it's like super easy to go down like a TikTok rabbit hole <laughs> I, I know <laughs> she's not taking a shit Mikey she should be getting out of there <laughs> yeah, 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 part of the yeah, reason yeah. they ever watch Ben's camcorders because we see Mick's truck in the back yeah so we realize he's been following them for a long time, uh, or at least since the day before. Yeah. Yeah. So she finds a car, gets in, has to try all the keys, manages to get one in, and then he's in the back seat of that car, which it's impossible that he could have predicted that. Right. Agreed. Well, because there are four cars in there. So he just happened to get in the one that she got in and then found the key for? Okay. And how, how'd she not hear it? Uh, yeah, because the door would have closed. You definitely would have heard that. Those videos are not that enthralling that you just block out everything going on around you. And how'd he get into the car if she has the keys? True. I mean, it could have been unlocked. I don't think we see her unlock the door, but still, you would have heard it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, so she finally finds the key. She gets the car to turn over and he waits until she gets the car to start. Yeah. Like he lets her try and start it a few times and then stabs her through the back. She falls out of the car and he's like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And you think I'm making a joke, but I'm not. That's no, a line that's in the movie. that's literally what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she puts her hand up to block it and he slices her fingers off. Oh, so torture porny, man. I hate what happens to this girl. Me too. I hate it. Yeah, because he then is like, I'm going to shoot a trick from the Vietnam War. He's, I'm going to make you, quote, a head on a stick where he severs her spinal column. Yeah. Which, by the way, the only good thing, not good, but at least that she will die soon. Oh, well, yeah, but she was stabbed through the back and it went through the front of her. Like, she's going to die from that wound alone if she doesn't get medical treatment. But also, because he severed her spinal column, it's unlikely she's going to feel it. Well, anymore. Yeah, she's just going to pass yeah. away. Yeah. But he essentially uses it to then try and get her to tell him where Christy is. Right. Meanwhile, Christy wakes up sleeping on the ground just outside. Yeah. And calls for Liz, but Liz isn't there. So she runs toward the road. And we see as she gets up that she was sleeping next to a giant spider web. <laughs> and I was just like, I fucking told you. I told you. The spiders were over there just like rubbing their hands together like, yes. 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 Oh, no, she's awake. She's leaving. We got to spin her up quick. Uh, so Christy runs and runs and runs. She makes it to the road. She waves down a car. Yeah. And at this point, I'm like, there's only 15 minutes left in this movie. We still don't know what happened to Ben. She might get away. And maybe she'll get away. Yeah. Uh, She sees a car on the horizon. She waves it down. It's an old man. He puts her in the back seat. He goes to the back of his car to get like a bottle of water and things for her. And he sees a bullet hole in his thermos and then immediately gets shot dead. These cans are exploding. I know. That's a great movie. What drove me crazy about this is that she is bloody, beaten, tortured, right? If she's on the road running, I'm assuming that someone is chasing her. So I'm going to be like, get in the back. I'm not getting out of my car. I'm yelling, get in the back. And I'm driving as fast as I can the fuck out of there. Yes. I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm going to set up a tent. I'm going to make a campfire. And we're just going to like figure this shit out. Like that is the dumbest thing he could have done. Yeah, but she sees the old man. She realizes that he's been shot by Mick. Yeah. So she gets in the car. There's no keys. Goes to the back. Gets the keys again. I don't know why so many people in this movie get in the driver's seat and they're like, no keys. And I'm like, yeah, people take keys with them. Yeah, they put them in their pockets like they have forever. What the fuck? Yeah. What's going on in Australia? Where's the modern day horror movie with all these keyless entry where you just go in and press the button because the body's in the back. Right. So she gets in, she starts the car. He catches up to her in another car and they're like racing. Well, he's like just playing with her as she's like like freaking out because of what happened to her and what's about to happen to her. Which is very stuntman Mike of him. But at the same time, (laughs) that's a more interesting story. Anyway, so he drives up next to her. And the one thing that like. Because here's the thing. This is a terrible movie. He's great in it. I like him a lot in it, too. He's really convincing as the character he is playing. Um, One of my favorite things is what he does in this scene when he pulls up next to her and he does this face like, oh, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very <laughs> funny. It made me laugh out loud. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's a horrifying, like, he's taunting her. It's bad. But, like. This is a series of movies, though, isn't it? Like, there's sequels because. There are. I know there's a Wolf Creek 2 at least. Is it the same villain? I'm here for, like, a weird Australian Nightmare on Elm Street type deal. I am. 
them if that's what it becomes, but that's not what this is. You oh, know? no, this movie's terrible. I'm just saying if they, they really lean into it in the sequel. Yeah. Also, this episode's banger. I'll do the sequel. I know there is a Wolf Creek 2, and I know he's in it just because I went down sort of an IMDb rabbit hole, but that one mm-hmm. came out in 2013, and I don't know if they've done any since then. Okay, so she kind of runs him off the road. He ends up in a ditch. She takes the opportunity to drive away. He gets out. He shoots one of her ties out. She flips the car. Yeah. She wakes up miraculously alive after that accident. Yeah. Climbs out of the car. He pulls up next to her and he just gets out, shoots her in the back, and then double taps her in the head. Yeah. He puts her body in the trunk next to the old man's and then burns the car. Meanwhile, with five fucking minutes left in this movie. <laughs> I forgot we're done already. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's not much that happens in this movie, Mikey. It's pretty quick. Yeah. Ben wakes up nailed to a cross next to a dead body. He's doing his best Jesus Christ pose. Right. Surrounded by guard dogs. Right. And he pulls his arms off the nails. That was rough to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. Pretty rough to watch. Yeah. Uh, and runs out. Meanwhile, Mick is on his way back. Ben bandages his wrists with part of his t-shirt and walks out into the wilderness barefoot. Oh, yeah. Um, And there's an eclipse. Yeah. It's a total eclipse of the torture. <laughs> For no reason. Never explained. Doesn't impact the story at all. Because I killed your friends tonight. <laughs> I fucking killed them deader than ever. The moon goes in front of the sun. Yeah, that's an eclipse. And that's the reason. That's why it happens. But why is it in the movie? Oh, they don't explain that. Yeah, no, they, they don't. <laughs> I actually do think, Paige, it's explained in the last shot of the movie. Mick, or, you know, the Bushman, or whatever we call right, him, right, right. he's actually an evil spirit that can only come out on a day there is an eclipse. Because at the end Ooh. of this movie, we see him cross-dissolve into nothing. Mm, maybe, maybe. I see, don't think I, you can cross-dissolve if you have guns. I don't think you know what <laughs> cross-dissolve means. That's literally the effect they used in Premiere Pro to make that happen. You're like thinking, you're saying he like disappears again until the next. Yeah. Right. But like only people who kill people with like bladed weapons can do that. Like I don't think you'd be like, oh, the eclipse is happening. Time to get out my hunting rifle. I think it's interesting that the delineation between who can fade away as a spirit and who can't fade away as a spirit is a matter of like killing technology. It's T2 rules. They can't bring <laughs> weapons back. <laughs> No, I like this, Mikey. I like it a lot. He spe- <laughs> he spends a night in the desert. Or not desert, but wilderness. Yeah, to be clear, Ben does, not Mick. Yeah, he wakes up the next morning, makes his way to a road where tourists find him. I did like the reveal of it was just a guy with the same hat as Mick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they drive him to a local town, get him airlifted to the hospital, and he goes to court for the disappearance of the girls. And we just get title cards for the rest, which is basically no trace of Liz Hunter or Christy Earl has ever been found. Early investigations into the case were disorganized, hampered by confusion over the locations of the crimes, yeah. a lack of physical evidence, and the alleged unreliability of the only witness. After four months in police custody, Ben Mitchell was later cleared of all suspicion. He currently lives in South Australia. And then we cut to that shot of Mick walking through the outback into the sunset. Yes. Like the hero of this movie. Yes! Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yes. And, and that's, that's the movie. The movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, give me some final thoughts. What do you guys think about Wolf Creek? I enjoyed talking about this movie a hundred times better than I enjoyed watching this Same. movie. So for me, there's nothing in this movie that is redeemable. Like, it's scary, yeah. and I don't like scary movies, 
But like also it's really torture porny. They really draw out how long they're torturing both of those girls and yeah. neither of them survive. The killer gets away. Like it's super nihilistic. And I, I realize some people like nihilistic movies. I just don't like nihilistic movies. Yeah, so I same. feel like in a nihilistic movie, I've wasted my time watching them. I'm like, oh, there is no positivity at the end of this movie i'm i'm there's no reason for me to watch it or or there's no growth i think that's my frustration with a nihilistic ending there's no character arc yeah is is there's no growth because we have just destroyed a person (laughs) or two people and then ben gets away and i didn't like that but in my mind i was like oh i'm sure just ben actually got away in real life and they had to include that because that's what i thought Nope. So okay. So well, let's let's finish final thoughts, but let's talk about that page because I know you have that information. I really want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel very much the same. Where there's nothing in this movie for me. I'll be very happy to never watch this again. Yeah, and I don't think anyone should watch it. I mean, I think you should listen to the episode because we had a lot of fun with the movie in the episode. But I don't think you should watch the movie. It's not worth watching, really. Yeah, I I did not enjoy it. I mean, unless you really like torture porn specifically directed at women, and you like nihilistic movies then you won't like this movie. I, I feel like if I wanted to watch torture porn directed at women, either A, watch Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is like more inventive. Like, here's the thing. I didn't love Poughkeepsie Tapes either, but at least it had a more interesting story. Sure. And and there was a story to it. Yeah. Or I know we haven't watched it on, on this show yet. Hostel 2. Watch fucking Hostel 2, where it is girls and one of them gets away and gets revenge. Like, okay. Yeah. That I would so much rather watch this. I was really, really hoping that Liz was going to get back. He was going to beat her there. And then she was going to have to fucking kill the shit out of him. Yeah. And yeah. I was fucking ready for that. Same. I would have loved that. But no, wasted. Yep. Agreed. You make all these points better than I would. Agreed. Paige is much better at this than you. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't like that the serial killer just rested on his accent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? Let's talk about it. I do. So number one, uh, this film is included on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Now, (laughs) here it is with your fun facts. Ebert, Ebert, fun fun facts. facts. Oh my God, Paige, I can't believe we both did that. I just can't believe I don't sync with y'all. I can believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. I do not always agree with Roger Ebert. We have disagreed on many a film. Right. I get it with this one. And I did go and read his review. And his review was essentially what we have just said. Which is like, there's not much story. Everything in the story exists for us to basically see these women get tortured. And that's about it. He hated this movie. He writes a really good negative review. He does. Or did. He passed away in 2003. 13 I think in a really sad sort of way that I think there's a documentary that follows like the end of his life it's really really good I can't remember the name of it but I watched it and was really moved by it yeah he scathing uh pretty good at being scathing now here's the thing pretty fun interview or review because he reviewed it before it came out (gasps) really and yes so he had a pre-screening and a few a bunch of people did and at the time of the pre-screening the rotten tomato meter for the movie was at 81 percent. and he references it in his review where he's like i cannot fathom how that many people have found enjoyment of this movie enough to rate it that highly yeah and then there's an addendum at the end of the review that just says like as of the printing the release date for this movie was christmas day yes as of January 6th, the printing of this review, the Rotten Tomato meter is now down to 51%. <laughs> Do we know what it is today? Hang on. Still high. Yeah. Let me see what I'm it is sure. today, though, Mikey, because it might be uh, quite a bit lower. Yeah, it's at 54% right now. 
I would still say that's high, but I understand that. Because I know there are some people who are just into gore, just into torture. And some people do love nihilistic endings. Yeah. And if that's your thing, then I guess this is a movie for you, I guess. Well, if you're going to do that, don't have the guy live. Yeah. Thank you. Have everyone die. Yeah. I'm actually here for everyone dying. I would have been fine with that. Yeah. But essentially, it's not even so much a nihilistic ending as much as it's evil wins. Yes. A lot of nihilistic endings are that exactly. Yeah, that's true. So unbeknownst to the crew, the abandoned mine where they filmed this movie had actually been the site of the real life murder of a woman. Really? So they did not know that when they went there to film? They did not know that. and. And the filming prompted a protest from locals who thought that the movie was about that murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a coincidence. They're like, oh, no. Yeah, I would feel terrible, too. I'd be like, fuck, I did not. That's horrible. I'm so sorry. Like, Yep. Yeah. What's even weirder is that for the second unit crew, when they went out to go get B-roll of the crater, yeah. since that location was many, many hours from any of the town, the crew decided to camp at the site after shooting. But during the night, a mysterious stranger showed up in a truck to investigate. What? And looked very much like the ca- the character of uh, Mick. Of course he did. <laughs> that stranger <laughs> left, but the crew was so afraid that they drove an hour down the road before finally stopping to camp for the night. I do not at all blame them. Especially, Me I mean, neither. the story of this movie and the actual events probably were top of mind for them. So they were like, oh, right. we've got to get the fuck out of here because we're going to all yep. die. <laughs> That that would have been me, like been like, hey guys, we have to leave immediately because I'm terrified. I, I we have to leave. I don't I don't want to be here. So this film was originally written as a standard slasher movie set in the outback. Okay. And they wrote it in 1997. But Greg McLean, the writer director, didn't like what he'd written. And when a famous Australian serial killer case came to light, it inspired him to rewrite the script and introduce the concept of a nice guy who seems to be there to help you out but is in reality a murderer. He could have also gotten this idea from Breakdown or The Hitcher or like any number yeah. of other movies that do this, but whatever. So the case that he referenced was that of Ivan Milat. He was an Australian serial killer uh, who was convicted of what became known as the Backpacker Murders in 1996. Okay. Uh, so he's called the Backpacker Murderer. But he assaulted, imprisoned, and robbed two men and five women in New South Wales between 1989 and 1993. And his MO was to approach hitchhikers along a particular highway. Uh, under the guise of taking them where they needed to go. Yeah. Uh, and instead, he would take them to Belangelo State Forest, where he would incapacitate and murder them. So there you go. That's the case it's based on. There is another case, I'll talk about it a little bit later in Fun Facts, that comes up while the movie's in production. But as far as the writing of the movie, that's the one that inspires it. So let's talk about John Jarrett. Okay. Jingle Hammer Schmidt? No, he's the yes. guy who played Mick. Oh. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Jingle Hammer Schmidt was his father. His gun is my gun, too. (laughs) Anyway, so John Jarrett remained in character between takes. He's a method actor and spent weeks living in the desert preparing for the role. He also avoided washing his arms. Um, There's some debate. Some people are like, he stopped bathing for a rugged appearance. But then in an interview, he's like, no, they put tattoos on me and it takes forever. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Just to avoid having to have them redo it every day or whatever. Yes. I understand that. That makes sense. And he was great. I just can't imagine I wanting know. to spend any time with him on set, not on like in scene, right? Well, and a lot of the stuff that we learn about him and he brings to this movie, he created a detailed biography. 
biography for the character on his own. Oh, okay. Wouldn't tell anyone about it. It was just his actor's secret. Okay. That's cool. I mean, good for him. He puts a lot into his craft and was good in this movie, I guess, you know? Yeah, uh, he's good in this movie, but here's something you need to know about him. Okay. He murdered three people. <laughs> no. <laughs> he was the first and only actor to audition for the part. He was actually well known in Australia at the time because he had his own show about gardening. What? Yes, he's like wow. an HDTV guy there. He wanted an image makeover. Well, they invited him to audition after they saw him in a play, but ironically, he was just the understudy for the regular star of that play. So it was kind of surreptitious. But part of the reason they liked him so much is because he had this crystal clean image, and the idea was for him to be scary. Yeah. And it was unnerving to see somebody who's normally so nice and fun be super scary um i think maybe with that context it would be a little scarier but because we don't have that context in america because we've never seen anything else he did that's wild i can't wait till the property brothers release their movie where they become the chicago stranglers it's gonna be super interesting you you mean the, the chicago rippers, rippers? Yeah, yeah 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 it's the rippers yeah <laughs> i was gonna go with the menendez property brothers <laughs> That's an SNL sketch waiting to happen. Um, I didn't realize House Hunters was like a taking them to a house, letting them go, and then you hunt them until you completed their murder. It's by your office in the downtown and the ocean, and it's in your budget. Now you have 20 minutes to hide, and I have this machete. Um, I mean, if the hot property brother ever gets cast as a villain, I will absolutely go see They're that They're twins. Movie. They look alike. There is clearly a hot one, Todd. Which one's the hot one? Todd, Jonathan's the hot one. But they look exactly alike. They do not look exactly alike, Todd. I don't know, man. All property brothers look alike to me. <laughs> Actually, not all property brothers look alike, because I don't know if you know, there's a third property brother. What? Google that shit. Google that shit. <laughs> Trust did, me. Did they murder him? No, but apparently they cloned him in a Pete Wentz lab. <laughs> Hang on. Of course. Of course, I start typing it in, and it Google autocorrects to third property brother meme. Yep. Oh my god, he does look like <laughs> he's a, he's the scene property brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah wow. Yeah, yeah. All right, I don't have time to address my feelings on that. We have to move on. Yeah, he's always the one doing the finish work, watching YouTube from the closet, wishing to be the friction <laughs> in your jeans. jeans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so Jonathan's the hot one. I'm glad we've all decided. Anyway, so the scene <laughs> where they're sitting around the campfire and he's telling the story about the aliens was originally over seven minutes long and it was all one take. Oh my God, I'm so glad they broke that up. The party scenes lasted for over half an hour before they cut them down to like three minutes oh. like or whatever it comes out to um the way they shot this movie was by doing a few takes with the script and then allowing them to improvise but they ended up keeping almost all of the improv yeah that does not surprise me because it feels like improv and hey as someone who has done a lot of improv in their day yeah you don't have to do it you could write a script you don't have to use improv it's not always better because not everyone is paul rudd so it's okay to write a script and shoot a script even in a found footage movie. Just like write a damn script. <laughs> I swear. Well, that's why the characters are nothing. They like they yeah. are nothing. Yeah. What did Alfred Hitchcock say? Like, in order to make a movie, you need three things: a script, a script, and a good script. Yes. It was he's something right. like that. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's a hundred percent true. I quoted that quote. Okay, so I did what's called coverage. Yeah. Where you read a script. 
at some point in production and then give an almost like a book report of that script that helps a production company or distribution company decide whether or not they're going to get involved in a project. So I, you may remember, uh, there was an Alfred Hitchcock biopic a few years back that's fucking terrible. And I got that script and it had been rewritten to death by like a million different people. And then Ryan Murphy had butchered it into something completely bonkers. And so I, when I did my coverage, used that quote to be like, this script is a dumpster fire. Do not give them money. Do not take on this project. And they did not. And that movie bombed. So you know what? Good call, Paige. Back padded. Yeah. Anyway. Just don't do it too hard. You might turn yourself into a head on a stick. Oh, yikes. Uh, I so. like chicken on a stick. I like kebabs too, Mikey. Like, what are we talking about? Oh, I'm talking about a deep south tradition, which is a chicken kebab, which is like chicken, green peppers, mushrooms, onion, and it's all deep fried. Oh, yeah. I've never had that. That sounds like a heart attack on a stick. It's amazing. Well. A lot of heart attacks on the stick are. I mean, that's why we go to the guy who makes churros from scratch on the sidewalk in front of our house. That and also he's close. Yeah. (laughs) That is very close to churros. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fucking good. Anyway, the sign over the entrance of the mining company where the killer takes his victims is the name of the backpacker murderer spelled backwards. Really? Okay. Which for me was just more evidence of like, oh, they think their villain is cool. Yeah. They're naming things after an actual serial killer. Yeah. That's kind of tasteless. Yeah. Basically. To me, it just like reeks of lack of creativity. Like come up with a name. Like what are you doing? Like if they spell the actual backpack murderer's name backwards, it probably doesn't spell anything. It was almost unpronounceable. It's uh, Navi Thaleem. Yeah. Um, And here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I love a good referential name for things. That's fine. What I don't love is referencing an actual serial killer. Yeah. Like that, that to me seems like we're giving him credit. Yeah. For something. Like he did great. Yeah. Uh, the first week of production was dedicated entirely to the traveling footage, which is shot on a single stretch of highway. And the movie was shot chronologically on only a five week shooting schedule. The entire project had to be shot within 25 days, which honestly doesn't sound that tough considering that nothing fucking happens in this movie. Yeah, honestly, if I had to do this on like a no budget and it would have been much worse than this, but like I could have done this in two weeks. But to be clear, my version of this in two weeks would be worse than this. <laughs> because, you know, you're to do it that fast, like, you have to skimp on some stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, but also, you could have cut, this movie could be 15 minutes long. It definitely could be, yeah. Anyway, uh, so the girls, Cassandra McGrath and Kesty Morassi, who are, I think it's Liz and Christy. Yeah respectively they said that the shots on the beach were freezing and it was so cold in the scene where liz has to run out into the ocean that they had like gloves and blankets ready for her as soon as she came out oh wow and and according to her when she got out of the water it was so cold she couldn't remember her own name oh my god i never remembered her name in this movie either (laughs) i know now This movie was actually delayed by the distributor because there was a trial going on uh, for a man named Bradley John Murdoch, who was accused of murdering a British backpacker, Peter Falconio. Now, that also factors into this movie. The tourists that pick him up at the end are in the same car that uh the falconio it's peter and his wife drove wow okay yeah which again i'm just like dicey yeah it's starting it's starting to bother me (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. According to the director, the film is full of hints that things are not going to turn out well for them. Uh, during the title sequence, when they're looking at the map with broom circled, just to the right of that circle is D.I., which is where they will eventually die on the map. Okay. But those are your fun facts. All right. Well, thank you for those allegedly fun facts. But let's <laughs> yeah. talk about some box office. So this movie came out in 2005. What do you think the production budget for Wolf Creek was? Like $12? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I know. And so I have to recuse myself. Oh, okay. Well, Mikey, what do you think it is? One million Australian. It actually was $1.1 million. Uh, I don't think it was Australian. I think that's just straight up dollars. Uh, and it came out, like Paige said, Christmas weekend, 2015, which of course, I mean, why wouldn't it? It's definitely a Christmas movie. And because it was on theme with the season, it came in 12th at the box office. So it was beat by movies like King Kong was number one. The Chronic What Kills of Narnia was number two. Fun with Dick and Jane was number three. Cheaper by the Dozen 2 was number four. And Memoirs of a Geisha was number five. This obviously was number 12. But what do you think it made in its opening weekend? And Paige, do you know and have to recuse yourself? Or do you want to take a guess? I do. Okay, so yep. Mikey, what do you think it made in its opening weekend? $50,000. Oh, wow. Okay, so it made a lot more than that, Mikey. It made $2.8 million in its opening opening weekend uh and it went on to make 16.1 million dollars domestically which again is the u.s but because this is an australian movie it did pretty well quote-unquote internationally so it made an, an extra 12.8 million dollars international so that put the worldwide box office box office up at 29 million dollars just over it and then it made another 9.5 million in domestic dvd and blu-ray sales so this movie made like $38 million on a $1.1 million budget. It's really, really good, yeah. which is why they made a sequel and a TV show that started in 2016. Is the TV show still on? I, I don't know. I know the reviews for the TV show are way better than the movie. See, at this point, I'm starting to wonder, I'm like, what would the TV show even be about? Because there's just not enough meat to this story. Honestly, Paige, if it was backpackers, they're showing up murdered and it was like we're following the police or investigators who are trying to find the Wolf Creek killer or whatever. Right. That could be good. I've seen a lot of TV shows with that sort of premise. Oh, this looks cool. It's a an American family gets murdered and like the survivor sets out to hunt him down and kill him. Oh, OK. To me, that is a better premise. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, if you want, check that out. Let me know if you liked it, because I'm probably never going to watch it. But And there are only like six episodes a season, so I think so. it's like a mini-series. Okay, cool. But that is your box office. So, Mikey, let's hit him with that scary scale. All right, listeners, our scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today when we watched it. It's not a scale of quality, uh, but I'm pretty sure they would match up today. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe not for me. Oh, God. <laughs> our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Uh, Paige. It's a one for me. It's a one for me, too. So let's hear what old Todd's been teasing over there. I'm going to give it a four because it was hard to watch. It was pretty tense in moments, but there were not no jump scares. So it didn't like scare me like a lot of really scary movies get me. But gotcha. All right. Well, listeners, that's the, the scary, scary scale. scale. All right. Well, um, Mikey, do you also have a review for us to read? Oh, I totally dropped the ball on that one. Oh, that's so unlike you. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have a review read right on the podcast, and then it's simply to leave us a five-star text review, and Mikey will read it. So, Mikey, whose review you going to read this week? Man, we got we got a lot of reviews. We did. We got a lot of reviews this past week. Here's one from Tuesday. Awesome. Tuesday. This is Jesus Jokes 
Calderon. Okay. Well, what does Jesus Jokes Calderon have to say? One of a kind podcast. Is that it? Oh, title. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the title. What's the body of the the review say? This podcast never disappoints. We try not to. You guys are hilarious and always funny. I enjoy it from start to finish. I really enjoy the chemistry and vibe you guys bring to every episode. You guys are some of the funniest people I've ever listened to. I have recommended this podcast to a few friends, and they also really enjoy it. That's oh, honestly you. very high praise. And really, like, we don't have a marketing budget, so that's the best way to, to grow as a podcast. Yes. So we really appreciate it. By the way, Romancing the Pod, also five stars. Oh, I thank you. You guys... Keep doing your thing and keep bringing lots more laughs. I can't get enough. People think I'm crazy when I randomly laugh out loud <laughs> listening to you guys at work. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Paige, Mikey, and Todd, you guys are amazing. Thank you guys for two funny, wonderful podcasts. If you guys ever get a chance, it would be awesome if you could do the original Pet Cemetery 1 and 2. It would be amazing if Paige and Todd could sing the Pet Cemetery song <laughs> that was done by the Ramones. Since Mikey doesn't sing, five stars and two thumbs up. Wait, didn't you guys do the original? We did the remake. No. Yeah, we haven't done the original one You guys one or didn't two. do the original? But the Ramones song, I've heard. It's like... I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. It's a terrible song. Although I don't we, like the we've Ramones. We've got to do that soon. <laughs> yeah, I think we should all learn the, the Ramones song and just do it. Well, Jesus Jokes How to Run. Thanks so much for that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. And we will take your movie suggestions under advisement. So this week, the listeners made us watch Wolf Creek. What are you guys making us watch as we close out August? So this there's an extra week in camp month. Uh, right. And we could have done another camp movie. Don't worry, we'll do another camp month. There are plenty of camp movies. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Still have to watch the burning. But to ease into what we're going to be doing, and this is a palate cleanser between the next month, I guess. Sure, okay. the next theme starts in September. Right. So we have like one random week. But for that week, we're doing Army of Darkness. Oh, hell yeah. I've been looking forward to Army of Darkness for a while because yes. the second Evil Dead that you guys made me start with, I thought was bonkers and a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see where they go from there. Oh, um, they go places. They go places. I believe it's the like medieval times, right? Medieval yeah. times! They have to eat with their hands. It's in the middle of a strip mall. Um, it's great. It's great. And we may have some fun guests. Yeah, we might have some very, very special guests with us. Yay. So your homework for next week is to watch the bonkersness that is Army of Darkness and speculate on what who our guests might be. They're not Australian. Good day, mate. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. 
If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by... Nick, Nick B. B. Fun fact about Nick B. Oh, yeah? He knows how to fix cars. Oh, well, that is actually a very useful skill that I never learned. So, Nick B., if I ever break down, I'm giving you a call. And uh, if you can help me, please do. This episode also brought to you by... Ori. Ori! And Ori's amazing. Like, I was lost in the Australian outback, covered in blood. It was rough, right? Tuesdays. <laughs> and it just so happened that Ori was driving by. They stopped, they picked me up, and took me to town. It was great. So, Ori, thank you so much for saving my life. They leaned out the car window and were like, do you come from a land down under? <laughs> this episode also brought to you by... The letter Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones Netflix TV show and have recently ventured into the world of Agent Carter. So check it out, guys. It's a pretty great podcast that you can listen to on any podcast app. Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode brought to you by Tia. Oh, yeah? Who's using this podcast to really cope with the fact that her teenage daughter has been kidnapping tourists and murdering them. <laughs> <laughs> hey just because tourist season is over doesn't mean you stop hunting them for their pelts <laughs> thank you megan amram this episode also brought to you by awesome possum blossom and awesome possum blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts so here's one for you i try and do it in one breath every time and sometimes i make it sometimes i don't their preferred weapon of choice is a switchblade knife because it makes them feel beautiful and, and bad. bad. <laughs> uh, or that one's brought to you by Mickey Mac, actually. Yeah. Mm. In that thread on Facebook. <laughs> this episode also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business. And Brandon's Bug Business is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So if you have any needs for spider, scorpion, centipede, millipede, or any other apede that might have the need for speed, reach out to Brandon's Bug Business. It's called Bug Cage Company on Facebook, and they will ship you some bugs. We now return you to another episode of... Uh, the, the Patreonicals. We find ourselves at CNN Tower in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. That's where we left off last week. I forgot. That's right. Yeah. And and the Dreske Dreskel. <laughs> no, it's pronounced Dreskel. You said it right. Dreskel. 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 He's got the chip and dip on his shoulders. <laughs> like you said, it was going to get Italian, and it did. It totally got Italian at the end of the episode. <laughs> he was like, this is the tower where we can transmit all across the world. And most evil Matthew said... This is it. This is my most evil plan. Kaylee and I, Kaylee brought this to my attention because of what happened to a child they knew. So I, most evil Matthew, will transmit Todd's voice oh, all no. over the world oh, to cause no. children's cancer to all of the children on earth. I hate everything about this. And we this. can hear it in the distance. If this is it. Please let me know if this ain't love. You're going to die of cancer if this is it. But I want to. I hate that my singing of Huey Lewis in the News is what's killing kids. 
<laughs> Would you rather be that or be like, hey, everybody, it's Todd. You heard your cancer. <laughs> it could have been it could have been Creed. <laughs> Are you ready? Here? Are you ready here for cancer? You guys understand Todd's band broke up because of the FDA. Todd, I'm going to need you to Scott stop right now. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Oh, wow. We're coming in with the jokes today. <laughs> so Isaac... Isaac's on the tower. He eats a bunch of the people uh, in the tower. Right. Um, like Isaac does. Yeah. And then Dumbasaurus Rex, he's also, I mean, he's a dinosaur. We've been leaning into that, but he's also like a really smart alien. So he's actually transmitting, and that's that goes really well. Danielle is just sobbing on the ground because even though she has her control collar on, like part of her knows what's happening, and she knows that she's always admired the children of Earth. Yeah. Because everyone says, I love you to the moon and back, and like she's Aww, really Oh, that's actually that really personally. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And Aaron, the moon general, she just uh, punches the wall really hard because, you know, she can't stand that this is happening. That checks uh, out. out. Outside the tower, Amy uh, and Karun land the spacecraft they made with all of our heroes in it, and Kate is trying to get into the CNN tower and um, Eddie draws the animals of Atlanta, which is just a bunch of cats and dogs really uh, <laughs> in, in, in like urban Atlanta. And they're not very big dogs. So there's like, they're having a hard time getting in. It's like chihuahuas that like uh, Dotson's trying to break into the CNN tower. <laughs> and cats yes. just fucking off doing whatever they want. <laughs> right. yeah. You know how cats do. <laughs> <laughs> and Wes, the ghost from the future was like, there, there's. He's like, you're failing. There's going to be no children left. Todd's voice is going to kill them all. I hate everything about this plotline so much. I, I like. I'm having one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm so clever. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm never more proud than when Mikey's proud of himself. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Scott was like, Dave, you have to save us. I know that your only power is not to die, but that's what we need. So Scott, who's like a thing, he just picks Dave up and chunks him into the CNN tower, <laughs> shatters the glass, goes through a wall. He's completely dead, but maybe he can stop them. So next week, there's going to be a big battle over if Todd's voice gets launched into the world to murder all the children. I thought that we learned during one of the reviews a few weeks ago that my voice didn't give anyone cancer. Is that not canon? Todd. Oh. It's all right. Have, <laughs> Have a good, good time. <laughs> it's all And give right. kids cancer. Oh, <laughs> give kids cancer. I guess that dispute will be settled next week on uh, the, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys, on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. <laughs> Bye. Boomerang nerds. <laughs> <laughs>